if you've been around for the last little while, you'll know that we're preaching a series called Truth. And what we, what we decided to look at as a, as a team, what we really felt God impress on us is at the moment there, in, in a world of a lot of immovables, we want to look at what are a lot of movables, sorry, what are the immovables that God has put into the world. And so if you are visiting with us today, today we're talking about what we have called the seven giants. So maybe just to give you a little bit of intro, um, a little bit of background to the story. The children of Israel, when they came out of Egypt, um, if you've watched the movie Prince of Egypt, they were like super excited. They go hauling across the desert, can't wait to get to the promised land. But when they get there, it, like the promised land is amazing. It doesn't take them long to get there. It's like, this is perfect. This is the land that God promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is going to be awesome. But then when they get there, all of a sudden, they realize that the land is full of people and not just any people. These people, a lot of them are giants, like literal giants, like nine foot tall people. Some of these guys have got like extra fingers on their hands. You know, I, I don't know how that helps you with a big spear or whatever, but it, but it was terrifying. These guys are giant. They like freakish. It's like hectic. And so the children of Israel looked at this and they were like, the land is amazing, but we can't overcome this. And what, in, what God ends up doing is he's, uh, he says to them, well, this generation that was afraid is going to die. And the next generation will be able to come in and take the land. And so the children of Israel go wander around in the desert until that entire generation dies off, the generation that was afraid. Except for two guys, Joshua and Caleb, who were the two good spies who came out of the land and said, let's do it. The other 10 guys were like, you don't want to go. That's really bad. And so what we equated that to is in our lives today, we uh, face giants as well. And what's beautiful about the Old Testament is it's not only just a great story to read, but it's also there's pictures within that that speak of our lives. God allows stories in the Old Testament to exist so that it can point forward to what the New Testament is going to look like. And so today I'd like to look, about, look at our first giant, the first of the seven nations that we need to overcome when we go into the promised land of our lives. God has promised all of us amazing things, right? One of the things we said last week, and I keep reiterating this, but I think it's important to note is the children of Israel wanted to be in the promised land. They were, they were right on the edge of the promised land. They, um, were, they had everything they needed to go in. They'd seen God do amazing things, all the plagues in Egypt, and they knew exactly what to do. So all of those things together, it sounds like that's all you need to get in. But unfortunately, we see from the, st we see from the story that that wasn't enough. At the last point, they chose to, well, they chose fear over God. They chose what their eyes saw over what God had said. And so they didn't listen to the command of God. And so for us as well, God gives us these commands to go forward in our lives and overcome these things that are in front of us, to be able to walk into what he has for us in our lives. God wants to bless us. God wants to give us a hope in a future. God wants to um, make our lives impactful. He wants our lives to be effective. But it requires that we're obedient. And we spoke a bit about that last week. So who's the first guy on the chopping block? Who's the first giant in the crosses that we're either going to shoot or sling? David did it with a sling, rocket launcher, tank, whatever. So the text I'd like to look at today is Matthew chapter 6, reading from verse 1. It says, Beware of practicing your righteousness. Oops. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, Sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may, may be praised by others. That's hysterical, right? What, what Jesus is saying here, he says, like, 
Some guys, when they give to the needy, they had people blowing trumpets, like literal. Look what I just did for someone else. Look how generous. Everybody look at me as I'm so generous with everybody else. And so it's almost like someone else's need becomes my opportunity um, to receive accolades and that kind of stuff. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand see what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your father, who's in season, your father who sees in secret will reward you. And so welcome to this week three, where we look at this first giant. And giant number one's name, giant number one's name is called Look Good. The giant of looking good. Here's the thing. Throughout human history, right, originality and authenticity, like people who are themselves, have been the seedbed for invention, for emancipation, setting people free, for expansion. It was the guy who said the world isn't flat, right? It's not flat. And he jumped in a boat and he was like, he sailed and everyone was like, dude, you're going to go off the edge of the cardboard box into, the, into Never Never Land. We're never going to see you again. And he said, no, I don't believe it. So he sailed his boat and he found new lands, right? It was the guy who thought outside of the box. It was the guy who didn't go along with the status quo. It was the guy who thought for himself. Uh, there was a statement, where, a famous statement said to the um, Orville brothers, uh, sorry, the Wright brothers. I think Orville Wright was one of the brothers. But the guys who invented the airplane, right? Someone once said to them, if men were meant to fly, they would have been born with wings. And if the Wright brothers had born into that, we never would have had like the modern day aeroplane. Or maybe someone would have invented it later. But the point is, like this originality and authenticity has been part and parcel of human history to invent things. Right? It was someone who stood up and said, slavery is not okay. In our own nation, it was someone who stood up and said, the evils of the past and the way things were, it's not okay. And it was an original thinker. Someone who stood up and, and looked at society, didn't just go with the flow and said, actually... This is not all right. And there was this shift towards life and emancipation and freedom and that kind of stuff. A guy called Edmund Burke once said this, The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. And I guess today what I could say is the only thing that it takes for evil in the world to just flourish is for people just to all go along with the flow. For people just to do what everybody else is doing and no one to think for themselves. Because then the herd mentality just washes us away into whatever the space is. And unfortunately, there's a not so subtle shift we've come to see away from true heroes, heroes and pioneers who live free of other people's opinion. And the shift has been from that now towards celebrities whose very existence actually hinges on what others think. So if someone is famous, if someone is wealthy, if someone has profile, all of a sudden now they're an expert in marriage, they're an expert in business, they're an expert in all kinds of things because of the profile they have, because of the way they look. We look up, we look up to them for all kinds of examples in our lives. There's this new word called optics that's thrown around at the moment in, in business terms. Optics is this new buzzword. It's come to define the way a situation looks to the public. And this is what a dictionary said about it. It says, while hopefully your choice to be ethical, whether in politics or business, is genuine. So while hopefully your choice to be ethical and do what's right in politics or business is genuine, in the business world, how others perceive you absolutely matters more. So the perception is more important than the reality. It doesn't seem to matter if something is true anymore, as long as people think it's true. And that's this giant of looking good on, on the surface. 
here's an interesting question. So like, oh, I would never do that. Like, oh, that's bad. Like, I'm a free thinker. Like, I'm the guy. I wouldn't give into that. Let me ask us a question. I've been asking myself this question this week, and I think, I, I don't know if I've fully got an answer to it. See, here's the question. Would you rather be a coward with the reputation of a courageous person or a courageous person who is perceived by others to be a coward? Would you rather be a coward with the reputation of being a courageous person or an authentically, genuinely brave person who is perceived by others as being a coward? See, now it weighs up as what I really am versus what people perceive me to be. It's tricky. And so going back to this giant, that kind of question reveals the presence of this giant of look good in our lives. So this is kind of what it looks like on the ground. A few things about this giant. My choices are governed by perception and I look for position. Once I'm there, it's important for me to be respected, sometimes through titles and flattery. It's one of the reasons at Senate Church we don't have titles, because authority doesn't come from our titles. Authority comes from heaven. I don't need someone to call me Pastor John to make me feel good about myself. I'm just John. That's my call. It's what God's made me to be, just like everybody else by our name. But some of us do hide behind our titles. Um, Eden said to me, my, my daughter this week said, Dad, it feels funny. She said this one friend of hers says nice things to her, but Eden said it feels like whenever she says a nice thing, she's saying it so that Eden will say something nice back. So she's using the flattery as a hook to receive affirmation back. And she said it feels weird. And it, part and parcel, I mean, it, she's 14 years old and she's already starting to see this giant of look good. For some, it comes out as an insatiable drive for fame and recognition and an unhealthy concern about our reputation and our image. This giant, unfortunately, causes paralysis when, when we are asked to go against the tide of public opinion. <gasps> what? I but everyone... Th and when we go against that tide of popular opinion, just absolutely paralyzed. This giant is a particular curse on our generation because society has become more concerned with how they appear than with who they really are. And so there's four things. What's the big issue about it, really? Well... What we've, one of the things we've said about these, these seven giants, while we've given them the moniker of being seven giants, really what they are is manifestations of our sin nature. These giants aren't sin in themselves, but what they do do is cause us to sin, right? These issues in my life, when I get into a situation, this, this is kind of the engine that produces or the tree that produces the sins, the, the deeds in my life. And so I'd like to talk quickly about four things Four issues. What's the big issue with this giant? I want to talk about four things and then talk about how do we deal with this giant? How do we put a, how do we shoot this guy? How do we, David, walk down? Everyone's terrified, hiding under their beds. We stride down into the valley, pick up our five pebbles and drill that oak and drop him. Right, so number one, the first thing, the first issue with this giant is there is something I value and fear more than Jesus. And that's the way I look. When it comes down to my love for Jesus and obedience to his word and the way I appear, Right? All of a sudden, there's, there's, there's like this argy-bargy between the two. That's the, that's the issue with the giant. He holds himself up that high against Christ in our lives. Right? This giant will pay any price and exerts an incredible amount of effort to preserve its image, especially in contrast to the biblical view of living in reality. Look what Philippians 2 says. And this is interesting. Paul says, Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, Children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine 
as lights in the world. And so Paul's presuming here in the word that we would stand out, that we would look different, that we would shine, that we would be a light, we would be a beacon or a post of, to others. And that's only possible when I'm following after Christ and what he says. But this giant is this giant's like, don't, don't do that. Don't do that, whatever you do. Because Jesus comes to us and he says, the reason you need to shine, the reason you need to stand out is because I've given you a mission. We are to call people out of darkness into God's wonderful light. Not go and hide amongst the darkness with everyone else and do our best to hide our little our light because we feel like it makes us look awkward. right? It's the thing of um, don't hide your light under a, a bowl. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. What we should do is allow our light to be able to shine for others. And when Jesus gives us this mission, and this is the enemy strategy, right? we save, we're going to heaven, but he's like, how do I stop this person from fulfilling this mission? And so I said this, this is when, when Jesus gives us this mission, he says, now go shine your light. And it's at that moment that the finely manicured, incredibly well-spoken and faultlessly dressed giant of look good, rears his beautiful head. This is not an ugly giant. This guy is the most stylish, just like Hollywood looking perfect giant that you, that you could ever look at. He's like a titan, just absolutely amazing to look at. And so what happens is this look good guy walks into our lives. He wears a carefully prepared mask that uses misrepresentation, half-truth, false impression. One of the things he's also known by this giant of look good is his other name is not look bad. Because some of us are, I'm not trying to look good, but the terror of looking bad is just as much. But that's kind of his middle name. His name is look good, not look bad, giant. Because their surname is giant. That's their family name, right? And... <laughs> The fear of not looking bad is driven by the fear of consequences of looking bad. And so we become trapped in this snare. I'm so scared of looking bad that I don't step out. So I become trapped. I just don't want to look bad. I said this, I've said this, well, actually I heard someone say it to me and I'm sorry if this, if this sounds too brutal, but it's an example. Someone once said to me, every little boy needs to be punched in the face at least once. Now it sounds hectic, but what, what they're saying is, I remember growing up, I was, a, I was a, a real little bookworm nerd. Cindy would say, I still am. I just hide it better now, now that I'm a bit older. But I'd never been in a fist fight or anything like that. And I remember the thought of being in a fight was the most terrifying thing in the world because I didn't know what was going to happen. It was the fear of the unknown. And then I got into a fight and there was nothing I could do about it. And the, and the guy hit me in the face. And, and you know what? I thought to myself, that wasn't so bad. I mean, my eyes watered and my nose was sore and went, but all of a sudden, and, and this is really bad because it sounds like I'm advocating violence, but the point of what I'm saying is the fear of the unknown kept me running away, right? And unfortunately, what happened is after then, I was like, that wasn't so bad. Let's go do that again. And then it led to unhelpful consequences in my life on that side. So that's bad, kids, if you're listening. But to everyone else, we kind of get the, the point of what I'm trying to say. Proverbs 29:25 says, the fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. This is the thing. This giant is hell-bent on keeping us out of relationship with Jesus. Saved, yes. Going to heaven, yes. But out of relationship with Jesus. He wants us to be looking at everyone else's opinion and forget whose opinion really matters. And he's just keeping that. So, but if you do this, you're not going to look good. If you do that, you're going to look bad. And just the whole time we, we're processing this stuff in our, in our heads. The second point. So the first point is he sets himself up against Jesus. 
The second point of what this giant does is he makes our lives ineffective, right? Ineffective. Look good involves, what he does is he, he tries to create this improper or illegal or um, like uh, not real picture of originality and uniqueness. So what happens is I want to look unique by fitting in. I want to stand out by not standing out. And I'm just calling it what it is now because when we talk about it, it sounds so stupid. But, when, but we, we do it, right? I want to stand out by going along with what, what everyone else thinks. I want to be valued and recognized as an individual by going along with popular opinion. But we do. And, that's, and that somehow that, sh- that crazy paradox has become normal in the world. Stand up for you. You're an individual. Be all you can be. You know, all the Facebook whatevers. But don't disagree with popular opinion. Like, it's not possible, you know? It's like, be a polar bear. Love the ice and live in the desert. And it makes absolutely no sense. I just thought of a stupid... Can I tell you a stupid... No, I won't tell you a stupid joke. Anyway, it makes no sense. But it has the appearance of uniqueness, this thing. The giant of look good understands that we would reject it outright... Right? If there wasn't some return on our betrayal of honesty and authenticity. So he understands that if we didn't get something back from it, we would never, we would never pick to always try and look good and that kind of stuff. Right? And so what we do, unfortunately, is he feeds us these little crumbs and scraps of acceptance and recognition. And we live for these crumbs and scraps. So we're looking for our peers. If someone will just say something nice, someone will like my post. Someone will encourage me in business. Someone will just tell me that I, I look good at the moment. It, on so many different fronts, we live on the crumbs and scraps of this giant of look good, working through our peers and working through society. And this is the thing. This is how our lives become ineffective because we live in fear of these scraps drying up. And so we choose never. We say to ourselves, I will never poke the bear and stand for anything because I'm so afraid of what I'll lose. In Galatians 5, Paul writes about the fruits of the Spirit. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And these things are the things that make our lives effective. So how does the giant of look good make us ineffective with these things? Well, there might be no law against the things I just said, but they're certainly countercultural. Let's look at the first one, joy. Like someone who's constantly full of joy and settled and not moaning and complaining the whole time and whinging about something and going on some rant and living in this outrage culture at the moment, people think, well, they think either you're on drugs or you need to go to a mental hospital or you're a little bit simple, right? That's the perception. But this joy that we receive from Christ gives us the ability to not get sucked into every outrage thing that people are, are getting into. I'm outraged about this. And then there's and, and there's a lot of things to get outraged about, but about, but joy allows us to sail through through it and remain a light and a beacon of hope to others. But culture would say the giants of look good would be like, no, we need to criticize this at the, right now, right? Let's criticize this. We're going to criticize lockdown when we're criticizing lockdown. We're going to criticize load shedding when we're going to criticize load shedding. And I'm not saying not having an opinion, guys. But what I'm saying is getting sucked into these things and joining the crowd of booers and and all the people that are just jeering and not actually presenting hope in life. What about peace? Like Peace sounds like the world says peace, peace. But at the moment, the response is, if I don't like it, burn it down. Cancel. Cancel culture. Those kind of things is fully part of the world at the moment. And so if... If I don't like something, I can't live at peace with it. If, if someone disagrees with me, I can't live at peace with them. I've got to fight them, take them out, shut them down, pull them. 
And Jesus says to us, but the fruit of the Spirit is peace. That I can go, you know what? You may be different to me. You may believe different to me. You may not even like me very much. But I have nothing towards you because I understand. I have peace towards you because I want to reach you with the light of the gospel. It's completely countercultural. And the giant of Lookwood's like, what are you doing? You sound like some drug-crazed hippie. You know, you need an opinion. Shout at someone. Patience. Right? In this results-driven world, results, 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 results. I need it now. Patience understands that no one changes in a day. Patience understands that people are worth the investment and in going the distance. When others are going, oh, it's a write-off. That person's a failure. Why are you doing... Patience allows us to go the distance and see the beautiful things that God has put in that person and walk a journey to see people come to faith in Jesus. Incredibly difficult, countercultural completely. Self-control. I mean, do I even need to talk about why self-control is so countercultural? Because the world today, the giant of look good is not about self-control. It's about self-shiny. It's about self-polish. It's about look amazing. I don't have to control myself. I have to promote myself. Our lives become ineffective because of this, uh, this giant, because we are unable to lead. Husbands can't lead in their families because they're so worried about trying to look good. When they sit with their, I was in a, a computer store a while ago. I think I mentioned this once. All the men in the room are busy criticizing their wives and, you know, just saying, oh, she's such a bag and ball and chain, all this kind of stuff. And I couldn't take it. Eventually, I was like, you know what? Just let you guys know. After 10 years, you're married to the woman you made. If you don't like her, you're an idiot for it. Because you didn't love her and you didn't care for her, right? Like, take some responsibility for your life. It is this, but when we go along with, oh, all the boys are criticizing, or all the boys are saying this, all the, we go along with that stuff and our wives hear about it, it hurts them. And it hurts our marriage, makes us ineffective. Wives gossiping behind their husband's back and cutting them off at the knees, running to, running to our parents to talk behind our husband's back. That kind of stuff. I'm, I'm just making general comments here. Not, I don't know of any one particular situation. So if you're feeling convicted now, I'm sorry, not sorry, right? Business leaders, right? Like I'm so, I, I just, I'm so wanting in this moment to, to make my business work, but I, I can't make it effective because I can't stand for anything because business says I should do this. Everyone's doing this. So I'm going to do what everyone else does. Instead of hearing God and receiving fresh revelation and seeing the gaps in the market that God can speak to us about, become effective. I'm so scared of my Christian testimony in a business. I'm not talking about being a fruitcake, but my Christian testimony. that I just let it go on the, on the sideline because I want to look good. Employees. This giant is the giant of waste, if I can call it that. And that's how he makes us ineffective. We waste, someone once said, we spend money we don't have to buy things we don't need to impress people we don't like. And that's exactly what this giant does to us. So I want to buy the clothes and, and, and say the words. And I've even seen people marry people, not because they particularly love them, but because everyone else thought this, this person was a great person for them and because it was good for them socially. And friends, what happens is we invest so much in keeping this giant happy and keeping everybody else happy that eventually... Right? What happens is this giant comes and he has drained us of all of our resources until there is nothing left for the mission of Jesus anymore. We are a dry husk, unable to accomplish what Jesus has called us to. We have no finance left. We have no time left. We have no emotion left. We have no headspace left. We have no people around us left trying to serve this giant of look good. So that's the second one. He makes us ineffective. Number three, he forces us to make decisions that we ordinarily wouldn't make. 
This giant is full of ambition and drive, right? He makes vows and promises to us that cause us to position ourselves to keep up appearances. He promises us, if you do this, that's going to be the outcome. If you hang with these people, this is going to be the results. And we start setting all this stuff up to do what? Ultimately, when we take a step back, to look good, not to be effective. Our effectivity, right, has been replaced with looking good. And the sad thing is that our posture and our position and our decisions affect every single part of our lives. And we don't realize that. Friends, you know, I can get into debt to look good in business, but that debt that I've got into to look good in my business affects my family. And so what happens is now in the, in the desire to look good, I've got into debt and now all of a sudden it's affected my marriage and so I'm paying a cost there. It affects my ability to accomplish God's plan. I can't be generous with others. It burns and the problem as well of being in, in excessive debt to try and look good. Right? It, I end up burning unnecessary worry and unnecessary headspace, trying to work out how I'm going to repay my debts, how am I going to sort this person out, I'm, I'm, how am I going to sort out the bank. And I'm just so concerned. And, and I'm not talking about genuine. Guys, I understand it's a tough financial situation at the moment. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about where we are wasting our finance on trying to look good. Some of us, honestly, when we take, some of us need to take a step back and have a look and go, I am wasting resources that could be spent on my kids, could be invested in our future as a family, could be invested in, in things that are meaningful and eternal rather than just the, you know, the here and now thing because it looks good. Um, so it forces us to make those decisions. It forces us to make decisions that we ordinarily wouldn't make around relationships, right? I can, instead of looking for people uh, to surround myself with people who are good for me and who challenge me, and I've found that the people who've ended up being close to me over the long distance are not people that I probably would have chosen to have close to me in the beginning. They're different to me. And they do challenge me. And I respect men. And, and, and Cindy and I respect couples. And, and Cindy respects having ladies around her. And we have, I mean, ladies on our preaching team even. Like, to have people around us who are different to us, who do poke the bear in our lives, and who do see things differently, and don't agree with everything that we say. And people are like, why are you giving that person the time of day? So what we do is we, we try and we surround ourselves with people that it looks good to have around us. These are the right friends to have around us. It's cool to be spending time with these kind of people. But what happens is we lose our identity. We lose our ability to do anything that God has called us to do because we're just so busy playing that game. We can sometimes, in business even, be flattered into a relationship just so flattered by this person who seems to have a bigger business and who's more successful than me. So I'm flattered into this relationship. Or maybe it's, not a, maybe it's not a business relationship. Maybe it's a dating relationship. I can't believe this person noticed me. Wow, I'm just completely overwhelmed by the fact that they've made me feel so good about myself. I, I look so good and I don't feel bad and I don't look bad that in the moment I become blind to the facts of what that person is really like. I, I don't take time to look at the business relationship. I don't take time to look at the person's lifestyle. And so I make these decisions I ordinarily never would have made. But because I'm trying to look good, I renege on that stuff. Looking good may also be the reason we're reluctant or we lack the capacity to repent because repentance humbles us. It's difficult to preserve our appearance and our looking good while you're apologizing to someone. Not trying to look good. So what happens is I relinquish my decision-making ability to the giant of looking good and all his little minions. And the last one is this giant causes untold anxiety. 
want to unmask this giant just for a second. Friends, life is not perfect. Despite what all the adverts say. Despite, and we know that. But the world is pushing towards a perfect life where everything is great all the time. Ecclesiastes 3. I'm just going to read a few lines. There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. And so there's these two sides to life. And what this giant tries to do is he attempts to force us to deny the negative side. The negative side. There's only a time to laugh. There's only a time to be born. There's only a time to celebrate, right? There's only a time to keep. There's only a time to um, dance. There's only a time to build. There's only a time to heal. There's only a time to plant. And he denies the other side of it. But unfortunately, the learning side where we grow, we don't generally grow through our successes. We grow through our failures. They become learn or opportunities to learn and to grow. And when we deny them, we never grow. And so what this look good giant does is he creates this conflict that you can't solve between appearance and reality. Because actually, when you look at it, you cannot have both. I cannot be living my life real, honestly looking at life going, there's a tough side to life and, a, and, a, and an amazing and not so tough side to life. There's the good and the bad. I can't say that's true and keep up appearances. Because I have to deny the, the negative side. And so he's absorbed in the shadow of things rather than the actual substance of something. It doesn't matter what it really is. It's what it's perceived to be. It's a lot like advertising. I was, I was looking up some stuff. You know, in advertising, you might not know this. Um, the way the fruits look so shiny in all those photographs that you see, they spray them with deodorant. Right? In all those um, waffle pictures or when they've got a whole bunch of um, crumpets, crumpets, pancakes, and you see all that beautiful maple syrup. It's not maple syrup. It's engine oil, right? Burger patties are, unfortunately, they go really, really flat when you cook them. So how on earth do these burger patties look so fat in the photos? Well, because they're not cooked. They've been painted with shoe polish, right? Glycerin keeps seafood looking fresh. They use glucose syrup to make the Chinese noodles look shiny. All those beer adverts that you see with that big head of foam, that's liquid soap so that it stays there. And guys, unfortunately, but it looks so good and our lives can be like that. But then what we do is we pick up, we have to take, unfortunately, when we do that, I've got to pick up that, that pancake now covered in engine oil and I've got to eat it in front of everyone to go, it's so nice. <laughs> now pretend, but it tastes disgusting. My fruits are sprayed with deodorant. My beer has liquid soap in it, right? I remember this advert back in the day. You might have remember, you might have seen it. It was a um, an advert for the Cane Spirit mainstay. It says you can st the the line was you can stay as you are for the rest of your life, or you can change to mainstay. And what they did was they showed this miserable guy like you can stay as you are for the rest of your life, or you can change to mainstay. And there's everyone having this party. When I was in rehab. They had a post up. It says you can stay that you are for the rest of your life or you can change to mainstay. And they've got this guy doing his job, going about his life successful. Or you can change to mainstay. And there's a picture of this homeless guy in a gutter with like a, a brown bottle, you know, bottled in a bag, busy drinking it, you know. And I think it kind of equates a little bit to this picture, right? The world says, if you do this, you're going to look good. And unfortunately, with this giant, he causes untold anxiety inside of us because he promises us that if you do that... And you deny that the negative exists. 
You deny the fact that when you open the burger box, the patty is nowhere near as juicy looking as it promises. And that lettuce, this is probably the third burger it's been on, right? Let's just be honest, right? It keeps coming back. It's the revenge of the lettuce. <laughs> uh, anyway, whatever. But the point is that there's this um, denial of the, of the reality of life. And friends, we can't live in that way. And this giant wants us to deny half of our lives. And so we can't learn, we can't grow. It creates this anxiety because he's not just concerned with outward appearance, but he wants to create a reputation, right? He wants us to keep this reputation up. And it's like keeping a balloon in the air. I have to constantly keep this balloon in the air. I have to maintain the illusion. And because it's not real, I'm constantly trying to keep up the facade. And, and because we live in a world where things break, like, oh, it looks starting to look bad. I've got to go patch it up, quickly paint it up. Oh, that's falling down. I've got to go prop this up. And I spend my whole life propping up the facade and the person behind it stays immature, stays ineffective and doesn't grow. Whereas if I let the facade down, this is who I am. There's no work in trying to maintain that. And what ends up happening is we tend to explode or implode because we are expending so much effort towards preserving this external image. So there's something I value above Jesus. It makes our lives ineffective, forces us to make decisions we wouldn't ordinarily make, causes untold, untold anxiety. So as we finish, what do we do about this? Well, in Genesis 1.27, Moses writes, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. See, this giant takes advantage of our lack. And we need to understand this, friends. We were created in the image of God. And God was going to transform us. His plan was always that we would reflect this image of God. But when man fell and when man sinned, he lost that image of God, but he didn't lose that desire to be in the image of God. And so what we do is we have this desire for this external affirmation. We have this desire to be perfect. We have this desire to look good. It's part and parcel of being created in the image of God. And outside of God, this giant plays on that brokenness and plays on that crack time and time again. And so we go looking for it in so many people. I go looking for it in my wife and I break her because she can't carry that weight. I go looking for it in, in, in business circles and people use it against me. Right? Because they can see my weakness and they can see my, in my insecurity. It's in this gap right, that the giant thrives. There's this drive on the inside to project the best, look the part, appear without lack. Because that's the image of God. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed and behold, all, th new, all things have come. All things become new. God has come, friends, if you have a relationship with Jesus here today, please hear me. God has come and given us a new identity. And he has adopted us as his children. He clothes us with the righteousness of Jesus. Clothes us with it. And as we spoke at Bible school, he not only covers us with the righteousness of Christ, but he begins to work that righteousness inside of us and change us from the inside out. And all of a sudden, those things that desire to be in the image of God, he is busy creating that inside of us, transforming us into the image of of Jesus. 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out all fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. And so we no longer live in this world where we're fighting, and we're on this, this like, you know, like a seesaw of praise versus punishment, in versus out, acceptance versus rejection. What I do is I go to God and I allow Him to be, be, start creating the image of Christ inside of me, the image of Jesus. The issue with these giants is not at a behavioral level. It's always at a motive and a heart level, right? And so what Jesus does is 
he starts to be he starts to change our heart and change who we are so that we don't need and are not desperate for that affirmation from everyone else and that look good all the time so what happens is we begin to live in the voice this is the voice right that i start listening for if he says i'm okay if he says i look good he says i'm the image of jesus he says that he has a hope in the future that's enough for me neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl instead they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So I want to end with this. I want to end with a call, if I can, to us. I'd like to say this. To the creatives, it's time to wake up. Wake up the creatives. Wake up the creativity. Stop worrying about looking good as the creative. And be the creative. To the speakers, wake up. And stop speaking the language of the day and all the stuff that everyone else is saying and speak the truth. To the thinkers, it's time to wake up. To the pillars in society, right? Not these rubber pillars that just bend with every, but the pillars that stand for something. It's time to wake up. Wake up the standard bearers who stand for stuff. Friends, we are the church of Jesus. We beat this giant by fighting to please God. We beat this giant by primarily concerning ourselves with what he sees in us, not with what everybody else sees in us. And we beat the giants by allowing the Father to love us more and to remove this fear of looking bad. Thank you so much for joining us. You might be asking yourself the question, how can I take this further? Firstly, you can send us your contact details to cindy at centerchurch.co.za where we can include you in our online connect groups and you can receive our daily devotional. Secondly, you can hop on our website where you can access previous sermons and find out more about who we are at Centre Church. Thirdly, if you consider yourself as part of Centre Church, we want to thank you so much for your ongoing financial partnership. The banking details are on the website. Thank you so much for joining us and hope you have an amazing Sunday.